they are afraid to say no to sea levels and they are okay i will just go with whatever you decide and then i'll put pressure on my uh, reporters and they have to figure it out somehow mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i had this type of manager i think is the worst is that why you lost your hair so much yes last time I saw you? <laughs> that's <laughs> mean. that's how it started exactly hi everyone this is another product podcast where we share our experiences navigating the EU tech scene as non-EU product people. My name is Enoch. My name is David. And this is our show. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of another product podcast. Today we actually have a special guest. We invited a close friend of ours, um, Andre. Um, but before we dive in, um, David, tell me something about Andre. Sure, sure, you know, um, I'm very happy to have Andre as our first guest. Um, first of all, because when we were discussing about the podcast the first time, he was there. I am very much um, supporting the idea of starting a podcast. And uh, I remember the first time I met him during um, my past job. That's where we met. And yeah. You, you can you can you can imagine or picture Andre as a as a very reliable uh, colleague, right? Yeah. Very professional, one of the most professional um, people that I know, and he knows his stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. Enough sugar coating, making yeah. it feel good. Well, let's let's sh shred him later. But uh, Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. And yeah. thanks for all the sugar coating. I'll <laughs> give you the beers after. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was there. I was trying. That's to, what we want. I was trying to convince you guys not to do it, but <laughs> I see that it doesn't work. So yeah, happy yeah. to be here with you. So a um, little introduction: who you are. We talked about your name. Um, where you're from, uh, how long you've been in the tech industry, um, and yeah, we'll go from there. Sounds good. Actually, I was expecting this question. I checked my LinkedIn profile to see when I jumped <laughs> into product management, and it's like 2009, what the fuck, I'm super old. So yeah, it was 2009, I started somehow to, to jump into tech. Uh, I didn't know it's product management back then, so mm -hmm. I just uh, moved to the capital. I'm from Bucharest, from Romania. Mm. Moved to the capital, just took the first job I could take back then. I was uh, just finished my university and just moved to the, a big city from a small city in Romania. Big step. And I just jumped into a small company, two pizza team and doing a little bit of everything until I discovered that actually, yeah, it's product management and this is what I want to do. That's how it started. Nice, nice. Let's, let's deep dive a little bit about the Romania tech scene, right? Uh, what are the differences? Um, compared to Berlin, now that you have been here for a while. And um, even that transition from your smaller town to Bucharest. I would say that the Romanian tech scene is quite well developed, it's booming right now. I say. Uh, it's surprising what's happening there. I, I think one of the reasons is that in 2000 or 2001, they had like this zero interest for income for tech people mm. it was oh, like a, low taxes boys basically no paying no taxes if you're like a programmer software developer oh wow i don't think it's still valid mm -hmm. that was in for for a couple of years but that uh, attracted a lot of big companies like facebook uh, oracle microsoft all of them like open offices in romania because also the talent is there like the, i think romania is like one of the leading countries if you look at 
number of tech people for 1,000 inhabitants. Oh, really? Wow. Nice. Uh, so and not, not a small detail, Romania is within the EU. Yes, it, in, in the EU, not a lot of people know in Germany, like they always say, hi, do you need a visa? Exactly. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, yes, it's part of the European Union. You have these advantages as well, and that's why a lot of people actually, even from Germany, are moving there because the cost of living is still below Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, and the quality of life, yeah, it depends what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, right. Um, I sometimes remember us talking about similarities between Romania and Argentina, right? So, um, but I, I rather focus on the differences that you see. One of the, can you give me an example of the cultural differences when you move to Berlin compared to Germany? Uh, with Romania. With Romania. Yeah, it, it, it's a big difference, culturally speaking. So Bucharest is like super fast paced. Uh, so people are super eager and hungry to achieve everything mm. in their career. They are sacrificing everything to do it, mm -hmm. or at least it was uh, back then. Um, I still now it's a mix because people are coming with different backgrounds from different countries. Mm -hmm. But when I started, like everyone like, okay, I don't care when I go home. Like it's 10 p.m., 11 p.m., like I'm working and working and working. Let's make this happen. I think now things are changing a little bit. People are, have different expectations. But at the beginning, I, I don't remember ever going home until 10 p.m. or so, my first job. I was oh, like wow. 10 p.m. and also during wow. the weekend some work. Hustling, hustling. That's how it started. Yeah. But it didn't feel that bad. It felt okay because I was, first of all, younger, <laughs> but also like also super eager to learn and everything was new, everything was exciting. Um, mm -hmm. It was nice. You still look young, Andre. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah to what those listeners who can't see, he does look young. Two two yeses. <laughs> yeah, it's the Eastern European profile. You imagine exactly that's what you have in mind. It's exactly how I look. <laughs> <laughs> the stereotype. We're put, we're giving them the stereotype. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and all right, then after the differences. Now, do you remember about similarities with Latin American countries, for instance? Uh, what would you say? I would say people are quite similar. Like. Uh, they like to have fun. Uh, I would say this is similar known Latin countries, I feel. Fiesta, uh, baby. Fiesta. Fiesta. Yeah. They work hard, they party hard as well, I would say. Mm. Nice people overall. Um, By the way, I've been in Bucharest, right? That's so right. The reason I'm asking is because, um, and I didn't want to influence your answer, is that when, when I was there, it gave me these Buenos Aires vibes, you know? Hmm which was very interesting because you would never guess that. Usually we always talk about our similarities with, you know, Italy, Spain, right? Mm. Uh, but not as much from a country like Romania. But when I was there, it was a very similar vibe, even, you know, buildings, streets, and what people were doing during a typical work, working day, mm -hmm. um, it reminded remind me to Buenos Aires in a way. And I guess I can, I can relate with the ambition and being hungry on, you know, hustling, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Getting there um, and, and do your best the extra mile, especially if it's your first job. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about your move to Berlin, right? So I've met you at my our other job. You started like two months earlier than me. And if I understand correctly, that was your first job in Berlin, right? Um, just yes. a story when you moved from Bucharest, why you moved to Berlin, job search, how was that like, um, and then 
then we can talk, dive even deeper about your first job in Berlin. Yeah. It's actually interesting because I, I, it wasn't planned uh, to move. I was doing quite well in Romania, to be honest. Financially, it wasn't like a big uplift for me. So not, that wasn't the reason. The reason was like uh, my wife had like a health issue. And that's one of the things that are not great in Romania, the infrastructure and the health system. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure we take care properly of the issue. And we said, okay, let's see where can we find good health system. And Germany, at least in Romania, has a really good image and the health system is praised. So, okay. Let's go, let's go there. She found a job and I just opened my profile on LinkedIn and I said, I'm open to opportunities in Berlin. A recruiter reached out from Autoscout24. And I said, okay, let's discuss. And that was it. It was quite uh, fast. Maybe um, a friend in common in recruitment, maybe? I think it was the same recruiter that recruited you guys. So <laughs> he did great. <laughs> yeah, we're here, we're, doing, we're friends, so yeah. We're not gonna drop his name, but um, yeah. Certainly did a good job at bringing us together on the former company. Hustle knows hustle, you know? <laughs> no, the guy was great. I don't know how it was for you guys, but for me it was like, he was calling me after each stage of the recruitment process, like, hey, Andre did great. Now he's com- coming another stage and this is how the guys are, are like personality wise. Yeah. And he was super involved, I think. The most important. He's trying to get that cut, you know? Because he got promoted after he hired three of us. <laughs> yes, 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 I remember. He well deserved. I think he invested a lot of time, I don't know, for the recruiters I interacted to, not too many during my career. He, he did great. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, coming from Eastern European countries, usually people have like an image in mind. And, mm-hmm. But it wasn't the, the case with Autoscout, to be honest. It was a flawless process and also helped a lot that most of my experience is in marketplaces. So I already had like 13, 12 years of marketplace experience before joining Autoscout. So I was quite prepared for the interviews, I would say. Mm-hmm. Nothing surprising. And I also had experience with cars, marketplaces, used car marketplaces. So it was a familiar topic for me. Mm-hmm. Perfect it match. Yeah. And at the right time, I think uh, it was a nice experience overall. And I've met some great guys as well. And, and here we are. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about, you said your experience in the platform, right? Um, let's dive a little deeper. Um, this is, I think this is what your strength is, and this is, uh, I'm very curious about the platform. I work in a startup where we were trying to build a platform as well, but the biggest question of a platform um, for product is chicken and the egg, right? You have, like, for example, for a car, buyer and the seller. Again, that was the problem for, again, um, classifieds for cars, but um, when let's say a product manager, like let's say your junior product manager, or even myself, asks you, you know, the biggest problem when you're starting a new company, a platform company, um, how would you um, prioritize that, or even just strategize building us building or even sustaining a platform? Yeah. I mean, from all my experience, I would say it's to start small, like to find a small market that you can test your product and see if you have uh, this growth loop. If you see it working, then you can scale. Mm. Don't go too big at the beginning because like matching the supply and the demand is like the biggest problem with marketplaces. So Mm. if you cannot figure it out from the beginning, then it's even harder later. Mm. So if you do that properly from the beginning, you choose a niche, you choose the right market Mm -hmm. and it works. Um, It works well. But it's always challenging. And there is a lot of content out there about, you know, the um, differences when it comes to development 
on a marketplace, right? Um, even there's one of the latest books from, I think, Andrew Chen, um, Cold Start. And, uh, but in your experience, right, if you have to uh, give someone younger, someone starting out, uh, you know, in a marketplace for the first time, what would you say? Don't do it. No, I think uh, <laughs> what he also mentioned in this book, if I remember correctly, I read the book some time ago when he, when he published it, actually. It's, yeah, the hard side, it's a little bit more important. I would be more biased on the hard side, like on a car marketplace, on the sellers, like having the content, having the cars first. If you have that, it's way easier to attract buyers than the other way around. If you bring them to a platform that doesn't have the content they are looking for, it's kind of hard to, to do it properly. So just, okay, start with having the content. In the marketplaces, content is still king. Mm -hmm. I think that is the best description still for marketplaces. People are still using Craigslist or really bad products just because the content is there. Mm -hmm. I right. can also mm -hmm. put eBay there. It's not that the best product that people are still using. Mm -hmm. the there is something that I learned when, when, when I was there at Autoscout as well. Um, you know, at the end, we also try to focus on the supply side of, of things first, right? Because when you have already brand recognition and you have market penetration, then um, you can just use your, your traffic and start driving that to, towards a new product with enough supply, right? It's like this escape velocity that you reach once you have enough supply, so you can attract that demand and then create that synergy yeah. between both sides. Now, the um, what would you say this is this is something that I that I learned as well. What would you say um, is different compared to other products where retention is the main, you know, KPI or the main metric? How mm -hmm. that works for low touch marketplaces like um, like Euroscout? Yeah, it is different because. And I've seen this happening and being a problem in marketplaces. People try to improve retention when it's not possible um, in a way like people are buying cars every couple of years so they don't interact with your product on a daily basis they interact with it on a daily basis for a while until they find the right car hopefully that's fast and after that you need to offer them either another reason to visit your platform or additional features on something built in order to attract them and use your product more frequently but i haven't seen that working properly in many marketplaces. Mm -hmm. I think there are like a couple of examples like Zillow, they created this mortgage feature at some point. Uh, I think I didn't, I've done like a reforge course mentioning these examples like mm -hmm. with uh, low frequency products. Exactly. A good course, by the way, I recommend if someone's interested in retention and engagement. But even those, I wouldn't put my bet on it. So I think for, for um, low frequency products, just make the best of uh, the life cycle of your customers. I'm not sure what's going to happen in 10 years when they are looking for a new flat or a new car. Like, make sure that you convert them at this point. And if you offer a flawless experience, they will come back to your platform and just focus on that. Mm. I guess diving deeper on that. So low frequency platforms, right? Again, whether it's you're buying car or house, or you mentioned Zillow. Um, do you think these platforms, and then there's always the big ones, like, right? Like there's Mobile, Auto Scout, like Zillow. Um, do you think these big platforms innovate less because they have the branding, right? The users are like, that's when I sold my first car. This is where I bought my second car. Again, 
it's there aren't that many competitors out there. When we talked about when we met in a car platform, there was only two platform in whole EU, right? Um, ours Auto Scout was the biggest in EU, but number two in Germany. Um, but again, US as well, right? Like for marketplace, I mean, there are eBay is still eBay, right? eBay here also coming sign. People all post there, like. The UI is so shit. eBay coming sign, for example. And oh like, God! <laughs> and again, they're revamping, so to speak, and whatnot. Um, they're finally gonna happen out. But yeah, again, and I have a friend who works at eBay in US. Like changing one small button, right? The color, so much. You, as a product, you can't move as much, right? Um, I'm wondering if that's really the if it's that's the blessing and the curse for a platform when you're so big um, that people's gonna come in anyway, and you have the buyer and the seller. Does that mean can product innovate, or is it just going to be always stagnant? I, I wouldn't say it's always stagnant, but they move slowly usually. Yeah, when you get to a, a decent size and you have the revenue, you have the customers. I mean, you you get comfortable, and also in product management. I mean, in a podcast like like this one, super cozy, we can discuss about that. People don't want to do the job as they want to look good in the industry. Mm. I want to be a product manager, but yeah, the product management work, I don't want to do that. I just want to launch some things or just put something on my profile. But if you actually are into it and if someone wants to join product management, like do the work, mm. speak with the customers, deep dive into the problem, and then the innovation comes. Otherwise, if you're in a big company, you can just sit around, do presentations, participate in some meetings, make yourself visible and you are a product manager, but actually you are not providing value. So mm. I think innovation comes from paying attention to customers more and more, being obsessed a little bit mm. if you want to do it. And then it's up to the company to offer the culture, the opportunity for you to innovate. So it depends. I've seen that the startups move way better uh, when it comes to, to marketplaces as well. So it's a sign. The bigger you are, the harder it is to innovate. And there are reasons for it. Also revenue mm. risk and all that. Mm. That makes sense. So we just talked about, so we talked about how you, um, it was smooth transition to work at AutoScout. You work at Platform. This is also a platform company. Um, you do the work. Um, let's talk about some little dirty secrets. <laughs> um, you love dirty secrets. I mean, you know, I like it dirty. I like it dirty. <laughs> um, let's do it. What was the reasoning behind leaving AutoScout, right? And Again, the good and the bad, I mean, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, I mean, it's quite related to what we were discussing, right? Uh, I, I still feel like I want to deliver more, to more, be more involved and have more power of decision. And Autoscout is a great company to work for. But as I said, it's a big company. There are a lot of layers and sometimes it's hard to move things. Mm. And I, I wanted to do it better or faster. And that's why I selected actually Zenjob. Because like it's a startup focusing on temporary jobs for for students in Germany in Berlin, uh, uh, located in Berlin. Tell us the problem that you're solving. So, because for folks who are not from Berlin or Germany, they don't know this bureaucracy or this problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, we are focused on students, and students don't have the same time as a normal uh, employee, right? So they don't want to be long term. Uh, they can select to work as a waiter for a couple of hours today because they need some money. Tomorrow they can do some warehouse work or something like that. And that's where ZenJob comes in. You can select, you can, you register on the platform, then you can work for any of the companies uh, listed. 
and you can do different jobs and you can choose your time you have your days and you have max flexibility so and you also have we have the whole loop closed we know when they work how they perform so everything which is missing i think no one else has that in in the industry on the job marketplaces like closing the loop right you know they got hired for example on linkedin someone is hired then you don't know what's happening how well he performs and so on we have that as well so mm. we have the full loop which is a really interesting and valuable data to look at right. so to say, that's that's a lot of data that you're, you're mm -hmm. collecting over there and was that a tough thing to navigate because you have the closed loop and you're collecting all that data and knowing germany or eu the gdpr all the data is also students right um these are the things that you don't want to share yeah i mean we are paying attention to that of course but uh, even before i joined the company uh, they did great in auto um, automating all the processes and so on i think that's the biggest thing mm. like because you can do everything online so is that some kind of partnership with the companies that you have in the marketplace and they say hey by the way please share the data on how they are doing afterwards yeah we have a rating system and they provide feedback after each shift on both sides like the talent can rate the company the company can rate the talent a really interesting uh, um, data to look at and see how how things are evolving there are companies that are super preferred by students they like to work for them companies that are less and we also want to to make sure there is a good match between those mm. the trust component yeah one of the biggest challenges right with marketplaces i mean you need the trust and you need this supply and demand uh, matching mm. what i would like to learn more is tell us about your first month in this new company ah good question this one it's a it's a good story actually <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you remember from one of our discussions but i wasn't a a really soft one actually i think a lot of people relate these days uh, so after i decided to leave um, auto scout and i had to wait three months and a half notice period i don't know if people are not uh, <laughs> um, aware of how the notice period works in germany you have three three months usually in your contract yep. and if you announce middle of the month for example that doesn't count so that was my case so i stayed with auto scout for three months and a half before joining the journey essential of my next company so a lot of things happened during this period of time so i think i resigned in may or june in auto scout and until september i had to wait and then the whole problem started with the recession like pandemic and all that and the layoffs Uh, so I joined the company and I think my second week there was like a big meeting all hands and the company announced they are uh, they have to let go like of 30% of the employees that was uh, a big news like after after the onboarding sessions that was the announcement I I witnessed wow <laughs> how did you respond to that right? to be honest for me it wasn't that bad um, at first because I didn't invest it too much time and I was like afraid of getting a job or something like that but uh it it felt strange like everyone was affected because they lost colleagues they lost friends mm -hmm. um they were like wondering what's going to happen with them are they safe some people wanted to leave because they didn't agree with the decision or some people just were upset because they lost some some colleagues they love to work with mm -hmm. so they were not so happy to interact with new joiners <laughs> that still stay or continue with uh, with the company i remember 
the most popular question in, in the all hands session was like, why do we have new joiners? When oh, we, wow. <laughs> so wow. you guys being hunted, like witch hunting, why do you, we, you fire so many people thing. and you have new people? Yes, you had to, you had to explain yourself why you are there. Um, of course, it was a difficult thing. So I, it was not easy to buy the trust, to get the trust from, from your colleagues. And it took me a while to get there. But I think now, now we have the good chemistry. But the first months were tough until we, I managed to figure out how people work there, how people like to work with me, how we should structure the teams, mm. what should be our bigger bets, what should we start with. And after we figured it out, then it was easier, which I just focused on the work. Mm. But um, it was an interesting start. For people who are going through this, I mean, you have like, you said three product managers underneath you, right? I don't know if they're new or not. Um, What's the best way to get foot in the door during this, you know, recession times? Yeah, I mean, they, they have different uh, senioritys, but all of them are, are great. Like I have great profiles in my team that also helped a lot mm-hmm. um, and helped me a lot because like all of them knew the product way better. Some of them were like new also and they were like more open minded to mm-hmm. new joiners. OK, let's let's see what this guy has to do or mm-hmm. wants to do with us. Um, I wouldn't focus on, on that. If you go join a company, just focus on delivering value and people mm. will, will uh, buy into it. So that's what I do usually. I just choose the, the biggest battle I can win. That is something that I would like to know more about. Like you're saying, focus on delivering value, right? As, as you mentioned during the first month, especially during these challenging circumstances, right? How you do, how you do that? I mean, you first of all, you either way had have uh, to learn the product, right? So you have to spend time with the data, see what's there, like what could be like the biggest thing. And for for Zedjan, for example, the company wanted to become profitable, um, and that was the main goal for us. And say, okay, how can we get there? What would be like the biggest bet? Uh, I discussed with some key players uh, in the company, like experienced developers and engineer managers, and. They presented me some ideas and discussed about, okay, the matching algorithm, for example, how that's limiting, limiting us currently, how we can improve. And I said, okay, let's choose these two battles. And those are like how people are matched, how people find the jobs on the platform and which quality talents have when they get booked, how we book the right ones. So the discovery part and also the mm-hmm. booking side. And I just I say, I will focus on these two things. I will find people that want to to uh, participate and be involved in these projects. I'll focus on these things. There is a lot of noise around. People are trying to sell you different ideas. Do this as well. Let's do some small UI changes. Let's do some small whatever and just eliminate all the noise without being rude. I'm listening to everyone. But I explain like for me, these two things will be the value. We have the data. We have the impact. I will focus on those. Once you deliver on those, everyone will believe in you and you will get the trust you need. And that's the Andre that I know, right? When we were working together, the first one to be in the office, he shows up office every day or every time I'm there, he's there, right? Last one to leave, always knows his numbers. Again, as a product, I think that's a weapon. But in addition to knowing your numbers, like again, talking to senior engineers and whatnot. And I think that's the talent that I also see from you, right? Like you earn trust easily because whether it's designers or engineers, you know your number, you're curious about the audience, right? Back to the big companies where product managers are a little bit of more political, more fluff, mm-hmm. where they're well, juggling a few things. Mostly I mean, talking. 
yeah, just like including myself, right? Sometimes I have to be honest, like, hey guys, I need to check my number, then I'll get back to you, right? Like, I'm comfortable to say I don't know my numbers this one yet, let me come back. But there are people who, like, it's like, hey, just say the numbers, right? And they're wrong. Like Andre, right? That is also something、um, that I noticed when I met him. Andre can pull the numbers, you know, by memory at any time, at any point, in any meeting, right? So there are a few people that I know that are so diligent with data in general. So if you, if you talk to him, you're gonna realize there is no drama. This is, you know, these are the facts. Very cold headed, just move this way and, and we test. If it goes well, we continue. If not, we change.、Mm-hmm. What else do you need in a PM?、Mm-hmm. Classic textbook answer, by the way. <laughs> yes. Classic textbook answer. It wasn't practiced.、Uh, I, I wanna, you have to give me something dirty, you know? But no, that's very true. I mean, it's, that's the thing about Andre, knows the fundamentals. Which takes me to the next question, Andre, which is what excites you as a product manager in general?、Uh. It's going to be another textbook like answer. Let me try to find it something more spice. I don't know. For me, it was always nice to work on product management、uh, because of this puzzle、uh, solving. So you have something to think about it. I either way do that on a daily basis, too much thinking about too many things. And if you have like a good problem to solve, that's always exciting. And I also like this、uh, challenge of reading people. And influencing people a little bit, which I think it's、uh, critical as well for a PM. He's a psychopath. Yes, yes something like that. <laughs> no, but I think it's、uh, 80% of the job. If you can、um, make people trust you and work、uh, along with you, I think that's、uh, 80% of the job is done on product management. It's all about people, you know. You remember, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, that was what we talked about. Again, it's, relationships are the toughest things. That's why I'm single. <laughs>、um, One of the reasons you're single, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. But、um, <laughs> yeah, I think、um, ability to build that relationship. Again, I, all my close friends that I met in tech, big corporate, small,、um, they became my lifetime friends because we shared that experiences together and we built that trust and relationship, right? And speaking about future, right? And I want to go back to the EU、um, topic again when it comes to quality of life. When it comes to,、um, you mentioned that when you moved here, one of the biggest reasons was the health system, for instance, infrastructure in Germany in general. And I want to I know more about, you know, how's your life here? Um, I want to know if you see yourself longer term here or Berlin, might be German in general. Yeah, what's your thoughts?、Uh, for now, yes, I would say yes. I do see myself long term in Berlin. At the beginning, I wasn't so excited. It was a disappointment when you move to Germany from Romania. Like in, in Romania, Germany has like spot on image. It's <laughs> clean. Everyone is on point. Everyone is honest. Everyone is punctual. Like, Everything is、uh, spot on.、Mm-hmm. And I came to Berlin, I like first place, Alexander Platz, like, what the fuck is here? <laughs> <laughs> what is this shitty place full of homeless and dirt? And,、um, but then I got used to the city. I like the people a lot, like, because they don't care about you. And that's something I enjoy a lot. 
Please don't go to Alexanderplatz, people. There are <laughs> other things to visit in Berlin, please. Don't take your close ones to Alexanderplatz. It's not an attraction. No, it has something special, the city. It has a vibe, but uh, it takes some time to actually mm. feel it, you know? Mm. I think that was my experience. I think people like uh, um, also care about the environment here way yes. more than Romania, for example. So we have the green spaces. People like are super upset if a green space is affected. I remember this discussion about Tempelhof at some point. Yeah. They wanted to build something there and they just organized a riot. We are mm -hmm. not doing that, which is just an abandoned airfield that will never happen in Romania. It's going to be like a residential place in months. <laughs> but here they managed to transform that into a park and that, that's amazing. I think it, it's mm -hmm. a good thing. We have a segment, like a, like a game show segment, called What Other Product Managers Won't Tell You. Mm. Um, so think about the game show. We give a list of questions. Uh, you have to answer them honestly. These questions can be a little spicy. You have one pass, which means you can actually not answer, like no comment, not answer the question. So um, yeah, we will shoot some questions and we just want the juicy, you can't give me the that perfect, you know, product manager 101, goody goody answer yeah. now. Like, let's let's show some, you know, dark side. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah, please don't tell me, uh, don't read out loud the Marty Kagan posts when I when I. We'll ask. try. Yeah, let's see. Well, let's just start with the first one. And you know, given that we are product people and we work very closely with product, uh, with uh, design and engineering, right? Um, what what was your worst you can pick one what was your worst manager or engineer manager or designer so far in your experience and why and why and, and why i and guess i guess i cannot give names right <laughs> i have someone in mind <laughs> uh, no, I, I, we all had like uh, people that we don't like to work with. Um, yeah, I would say that the biggest problem, I had a couple of managers with this problem, but so I had a manager, for example, that always uh, said yes to the C-level and then put it on for me to do it somehow, to do like magic things. So I think that if you are a manager, you should have the guts to say no when things are not doable or not achievable and not put pressure on the PMs or whoever reports to you without having like the facts there, you know? I think that's, that's a, a trap for some managers just starting with a position, like a high position. They are afraid to say no to C-levels and they're okay, I'll just go with whatever you decide and then I'll put pressure on my uh, reporters and they have to figure it out somehow mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I had this type of manager I think is the worst. Is that why you lost your hair so much? Since yes. My <laughs> that's You're mean. Yeah, that's you're how mean. it started exactly. No it affects because it, um, there is anyway stress in our job right so if it comes with extra pressure with things that are not achievable but you know the manager knows but he doesn't want to say it mm -hmm. loud, uh, yeah, too much stress and all people are affected. You have to go to the engineers, for example, as a PM and sell the idea. And now we have to increase by 50% revenue, whatever uh, yeah. random uh, metric they, uh, they decided on. And how can you sell that when everyone knows it's not achievable? Mm -hmm. That was spicy, but not too spicy question and answer. It was decent. Yeah, I mean, come on now. What is this? Like, shaft sauce from Berlin? Yeah, <laughs> that's nothing. Um, 
Let's, uh, let me give you the second question. So, if you were to get an offer um, from adult industry, porn industry, um, you know, let's say... Hard of it. <laughs> yeah. Hard of it, Pornhub, or, you know, any industry, right, within that adult industry. Uh-huh. As a product manager, would you take it, knowing that you make due diligence work, knowing that you need to know the audience, that means you have to watch those content, you know, like we have to, on a, let's say, leadership meeting, we're talking about, you know, um, Asian porn, or we're talking about this category, you know, again. You don't have to watch it all. Um, have an opinion form. Right. But it's a, it's a dream offer, like the decisions that you can make, the things that you want to push for. Would you take the job? Why, why not? And if it's so, any business model or industry or company that you think they're doing well and how would you do better yeah you never know but i would still say no for <laughs> how good can it be if it's like you're like i don't know huge change in your life it makes like a huge change maybe you say yes but otherwise if it's like a 20 percent increase in income or something like that i wouldn't do the change just because it's not something i would enjoy uh, doing every day <laughs> so I think I every was, now and then it's fine. Then. Every but now and then it's fine, guys and girls, but not all the time. So part time, you'll take an offer. <laughs> <laughs> it could be if it makes you happy. It's part time or consultant, maybe or consultant. I think the data will be interested, uh, interesting, and also there is a lot of innovation in this space. To be honest, yeah, I was like, about jokes to... aside. Yeah, they, jokes they aside. Great. Again, yeah, I'm trying to see what Pornhub, what your uh, what your style is, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or what product you we, use. We also want you to drop some links. <laughs> yes, I will. We can put them in the bio, right? Yeah, um, for everyone to access. My, fa- uh, my favorite top three <laughs> content. I think I think those will be boring as well in my case. I'm not so uh, <laughs> interested in uh, too many fancy things as you are. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I think I don't know. I don't have a company in mind. I don't know mm. the, the industry that well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, the biggest players, probably everyone knows. Mm-hmm. So no, for now, he didn't even say which are the biggest players making me name drop these adult industry. Yes, I mean, have to. Isn't, isn't that in your bookmarks, I'm saying? You wear a you t-shirt know? with Pornhub, like, come on. <laughs> sponsor me, like and subscribe. <laughs> well, we're not going to say no to the sponsor. So let's move to the third one. And that is... If you can tell us about the craziest work party you have had in Berlin so far. Yeah, I think we've been both of us to that one, David, not with Enoch, but I think uh, it's still that one. I'm not cool enough, I, I can remember. Yeah, we had to cut him off the list because uh, they wanted only cool people. <laughs> but uh, no, it was this, uh, we had like a boat uh, trip, right, for a couple of hours with a lot of drinks, uh, I remember. And then someone said, let's go for a few more beers, like two more beers. And I don't know, three, four bars later, 5 a.m. I was still uh, hanging around with the guys and then we decided, okay, let's go home. It's already <laughs> five or something like that. And uh, one of our colleague, a new joiner as well, lost uh, his laptop. I mean, it wasn't lost, it was uh, stolen most probably. And uh, we had to go back. Every single bar. Every single bar. We had uh, the luck to have like a colleague. She knew the places we've been to and we had to go back, check with all the people there, if they see in a laptop or so, and we didn't find in the laptop. It was quite funny the second day as well, because I remember this colleague trying to take calls from, from the train and he was speaking on his phone and everyone was wondering, why are you on your phone? And he said, mm. my laptop <laughs> uh, is not uh, available anymore. And everyone was asking questions like, what happened? What happened? How did you lost it? 
I have a few memories of that party, Andre. Only flashes. I don't Only remember flashes. the whole night. But um, yeah, we started pretty early, like 3 p.m. or something uh, with the boat. And then we spent there a couple of hours. It was drinking from 3 p.m. until 5 a.m., folks. That was it. The usual. The, that's the Berlin party, the usual. I was so drunk that I actually danced. And believe me, whoever knows me, I don't dance. <laughs> so we danced in a... Uh, was, somewhere. There was a dance floor, so I don't remember. It there was, was a moving dance floor in a, you know... Ah, okay, so that remember? explains my feeling because I was like, come on, I'm super busy. <laughs> so you were super busy. Exactly, so you had a little help yeah. okay. on your moves. That was the reason. Not okay. that you were so smooth, it's just literally the floor was moving. The moves are there, but they are just coming out after a few drinks. No, that's, uh, as a first guest, wow, he actually answered all our questions, didn't even pass. See, this is the problem with Andre. Like, he raises the bar, he does everything so perfect, makes me look bad. Yeah, yeah. So that is why I left um, Autoscale because, <laughs> because Andre, of me. Andre was doing so well, knows his numbers, and I'm the black sheep, you know, barely surviving. So, like, all right, it's time for me to go. I can't. Um, with that said, um, I just want to summarize like, the main points um, again, and please correct me if I'm putting the different words on you. But what I'm hearing is based on your experience from Romania to Berlin, just product in general, um, it sounds like doing the work, the work ethics, which again, that's a quality that I saw working with you, um, is really important in our industry. Um, again, doing the work and also um, knowing the audience, whether it's the, the product audience or um, your teammates, right? Um, working and building the relationship um, yeah. makes great product manager like Andre, not me. I'm talking about Andre. So is that does that sound about right? It does. It does. Except the fact part with as Andre, not you. You are doing uh, a great job as a PM. You always did. But yeah, do the work. Uh, learn how to understand people, listen to people, pay attention to what they are saying. I think that's uh, what all it's all about. Mm. Thanks, Andre, for coming again. And please keep rocking. I hope we can work together in the future again. That would be my pleasure. Now, listeners, if you like this episode, please like and subscribe and let us know if you have any spicy question for us, for our upcoming guests. DM us, we'll be around.